Hello and welcome to Speak to It with Crystal Cook. I haven't recorded an episode for a while, so thank you for your patience and welcome in coming back. And if you're new, well, these next couple of episodes are going to be an experience for you. I'm inviting you on a journey of revisiting the books that changed my journey, that changed my perception, and that as a child or as a young adult inspired something great from within me that I didn't know what it was at the time. And this particular book that I'll be reading to you over the next couple of episodes is a book that I have no idea where it came from, but I remember reading as an early teen. And I still remember the profound impact it had on me. I was maybe 13 when I read it, and I was transitioning from being a child into that really sticky, icky and confusing part of life that we call (laughs) adolescence. Not quite a child anymore and not quite an adult, but that challenging place of being somewhere in between. But even at this tender age, I felt that the world was on my shoulders. There was a world of responsibility that I was holding and I felt lifetimes older than my peers and was awakening to see that my experiences in my home weren't the same as theirs. That what happened at home was completely different to what happened to the, happened in their houses. And the concept of what normal was, was starting to shift. My normal was starting to hold feelings of being an outsider, being different. Feelings that promoted shame. That my normal wasn't the same and didn't fit into either the child world or the adult world and didn't fit into what I was seeing in my friends. And then I read this book and I read this book not long after witnessing a traumatic event. It was a traumatic transition of becoming aware that life could be taken away. away. I was angry, I was hurt, resentful and gosh confused at the complexity of all that my young mind was blaming itself for all of the stuff that I didn't know how to make any form of sense of I was lost I I didn't know how to process or handle any of it And I felt like there was something defective at my core. I was caught in a nightmare of silence, shame and complexity that was beyond my capacity to ever understand at this tender age of 13. And I remember reading this book. I remember somewhere within my depths, there was a feeling of being seen. And as I pulled this book out of the box the other day, there was a remembering of that feeling. And I can't remember in its entirety what this book is actually about, but I remember the impact it had on the way that I see the world, the way that I saw and changed my perception at that age of adolescence, that age of becoming, that age of finding our place within 
our community. And as I walked past it the other day, sitting on the bench where the box, where I'd unloaded the box of books and all of those books are still sitting there, I felt inspired to pick it up. I felt called to share it and to bring it to you and that I had to read it again. And so these next couple of episodes are going to be me reading this book reading from my heart, sharing my voice and re-experiencing what it was that actually in this book resonated within my soul, within that place of being and sharing that special connection with you. There's no mistake that this has come through as my birthday approaches in the next couple of weeks. It's no coincidence that this is what I'm being asked to do by my heart. I know that there is healing here that neither of us will understand until we experience the possibility of actually stepping into it. So join me on a celebration of my birthday month over the next couple of episodes, recording the audio of me reading Chasing Rainbows by Lucinda Hasslinger. My voice in the transmissions of my heart, reading a book that deeply impacted the eyes I saw the world through as a child. I invite you to chase rainbows with me and listen to the audio of a book that impacted my soul and the unfolding of that. Will you join me? Much love, my darlings. I hope you enjoy it. And please connect with me on Facebook, Crystal Cook, Heart and Voice, my Facebook page, and I'd love to hear what impacts this book has on you what if any comes through and celebrate our perception celebrate our ability and possibility of chasing rainbows Chapter 8. Next day I sat next to Ronnie again in class. He squirmed in his seat so much that I thought he had a bad case of worms. He was feeling really guilty. I could have made him feel even more guilty, but I didn't want to. Brian was coming towards me. I knew he was going to do something, so I prepared myself not to have a cardiac. Sure enough, he kicked the desk as he walked past. Poor Ronnie. He was smiling at Brian, pretending to enjoy the show. (laughs) He even made a cruel face at me. Brian said, On you, Ronnie. Top face, mate. As soon as Brian went away, Ronnie started feeling guilty again and squirmed in his seat, like he was trying to rub out of his bum. Everyone, Mrs Phillips said, just a reminder that today's going to be the day that we go to the beach. Ali, your notes have been handed in, which is good, but remember to bring a towel and cosy. The beach? I'd heard heaps about the beach. Blue bottles, waves, sand, sun, salt... Bangles, jingles, Mrs. Phillips was coming towards me. Trevor, you're... have you been in the beach before? She asked. No, miss, I answered, but I've always wanted to. Good. I'll be putting a note in your bag. Make sure that you pass it on to Fran because she needs to give you permission, yeah? I couldn't wait to see Fran. At recess, I walked to my seat all on my own. Talia was away and someone else was on the seat. When Talia is around, 
no one sits near us. Where's Talia? I asked the person who was already on the seat beside me. She takes heaps of days off, a girl said. I reckon she wags. Wags? I really didn't think Talia was the type of girl to act like a dog. While I was thinking this, I felt someone take my elbow. It was Ronnie. Talia's not here today, he said. I'll hang around you if you want. Ronnie took me to a quiet part of the school, a part of the school where Brian couldn't find him. When Fran met me, I was jumping like a grasshopper. Can, can I go to the beach? I yelped. Of course, Fran giggled. Well, you have to sign a note, Fran. You, you have to give permission. That's what the teacher said. Can't, calm down, Trevor. Can't, ta can't this note wait until we get home? I suppose so. I skipped all the way home. When we went inside, Fran looked at the note. Have you got cozies? No, but that doesn't matter. I'm not going to go swimming. I can't swim. I just want to listen to the waves and feel the sand and pick up shells. Fran squeezed my cheeks. You're really excited about this, aren't you, Trevor? <laughs> you bet, I yelped. After d dinner, Fran said that she had to pop out for some groceries. She asked if I wanted to go along, but I said no. I wanted an early night's sleep. I tossed and turned all night. Not because of nightmares, but because of the beach. The waves, the sand, the shells. When morning finally came, I was leaping up and down. You'll launch through the ceiling if you're not careful, Fran warned. Fran packed me a lunch and suggested that I wear my thongs, a t-shirt and some shorts. I practically pulled Pant Fran all the way to school. As soon as she dropped me off, I kissed her and took quick pumpkins into class. Laughing, teasing, bags rustling, jewellery jingling, thongs clapping, softer footsteps, no school shoes. I listened out for Talia. I couldn't hear her special laugh. I found the way to my desk on my own. Brian tried to trip me over on the way, but one of his friends said, Don't be slack, Brian. If you trip him in here, he might hit his head on one of the desks. Trip him over in the playground where it's safer. <laughs> what a great friend. Have you got your note? Ronnie asked. I'll take it to Mrs Phillips if you like. Okay. I gave Ronnie the note. I could have taken the note up myself, but Ronnie was trying to be nice. One day he'll be strong. And when that day arrives, he won't need to feel guilty anymore. Sarah and Brian, Mrs Phillips called, your mothers have asked you not to go in the water for different reasons. Remember that at the beach. You're right, Brian grunted to his friends. My mum can go jump. I'm going swimming, eye drops or not. We all filled into the bus. Excitement, laughter, jokes. Ronnie let me hold his elbow. He didn't mind because Brian was already sitting at the back of the bus. Ronnie and I sat at the front. Bus started up. Seat began shaking, smoke filmed by nose. Being on the bus reminded me of coming to the city for the first time and throwing up down the aisle. The bus started moving. Half the school is going to the beach, Ronnie announced. I know that. Why? It's a school activity because the Christmas break. Well, will you be going home for Christmas? For sure. I can't wait to see Rick and Sally again. What's it like on the farm? Wonderful. I miss Doris and Camel. Doris is our cow, cow and Camel is our dog with, with the hump. He, he rounds up our sheep. We only have a few sheep. They're more like lawnmowers for us, hey? It's only three Freddies and we're already nearing the beach. What's a Freddy? Ronnie asked. 
Sorry, I should talk plain English. Freddy is the rooster on the farm. <laughs> he crows all day and each crow lasts for about five minutes. So one Freddy equals about five minutes. Ronnie started laughing. <laughs> I suppose you don't wear a watch either, do you? I don't, I don't need one on the farm. I can tell what time of day it is by facing our shed and feeling where the sun is. I'd get skin cancer before working out what time it was. <laughs> do you know, how do you know that we're nearing the beach? I can't see it. Rick told me that the sea is salty. I, I can smell it. The salt in the air. Ronnie took a deep breath. Sort of, I think. The bus went over a hill and then I heard heaps of kids screaming out, There! There! There's the beach! Chapter 9 My heart started pumping so hard that I thought it would take off. Salt, laughter, excitement. Everyone was hanging out of the bus windows. Everyone was yelling and pushing and shoving. But I sat there, very still. I listened to the water and imagined the beach. When the bus finally parked, the teacher ordered us to get out, slowly and wait, wait on the pavement. I had to snap myself out of my dream. Soon it would be real. Soon I would experience the beach. Ronnie and I were up the front. We were among the first to get off the bus. Salt, waves crashing, waves whispering to me, the sea calling me to dip my feet into its watery fingers. The breeze played with my hair. Ronnie, I whispered, will you stand with me in the water? I feel like the beach is calling me. I didn't know that the beach was connected to Telstra, Ronnie joked. I'm serious, I whispered. Tell me you will. Sure, Ronnie said. I'm going to swim heaps anyway. I smiled. It was all like a dream. Unfortunately, Brian ripped down the dream to shreds. Where were you, Ronnie? Brian asked. We were all having a top time up the back. <laughs> we were spinning out the bus windows. Some even landed on this, poor woman, on this woman's face. Ronnie laughed uncomfortably. You poor sucker, Brian said. You were stuck with no eyes. That must have been gross. Ronnie didn't talk. Instead, he nodded his head and agreed. I turned away so that Ronnie wouldn't feel too terrible. Anyway, we'll see you in the water, Brian said. After Brian raced away, Ronnie looked down at the ground and said, I'll still take you in the water, Trev. I smiled at Ronnie, even though I knew deep down that he wouldn't. When we walked onto, onto the sand, I took my thongs off. Hot, grainy. The sand was like nothing I'd ever felt before. When Rick told me about sand, he said it was like dirt, but it's not. It's different. It's sharper. It's hotter. I had to put my thongs on again. Attention, everyone. Set up your towels here, Mr King said. I have some very important information to give you. The first thing is, is that you should all wait until there are at least two teachers near the water before you enter. If you have trouble in the water, raise your arm and call for help. Also, I want everyone wearing sunscreen. If you haven't got any already, see Mrs Potter. Do you understand? Yes, sir, everyone chirped. Now, one more very important thing, he continued. Do not climb into the Rocky Mountain area. You can get lost up there, or worse, you can fall and hurt yourselves. That area is out of bounds. Do you hear me? Out of bounds. Yes, sir, we all chirped again. I got the tail out of my bag and fluffed it up. I felt for the creases and then straightened them out. 
Ronnie was next to me, but he walked away. I think he went over to Brian. Everyone ran towards the water. I listened. I could hear the water hiss as it licked the sand. I tasted the sand that was around me. Crunchy, not like dirt. When most of the kids were in the water, I started walking towards the sea. I left my thongs on because Rick had warned me about sharp rocks. I took parsnips, just to be on the safe side, and I counted them so that I'd know how to get back to my tower. The sand burned my feet and thongs, but as I got closer to the water, the sand became firmer and wet. I took my thongs off and held them in my hand. The ground was moist. I took radishes as I got closer and closer to the water. Splashing, screaming, laughter. I've never heard so much water in my life. I never even thought so much water could exist. This is so unfair. There is so much water here. And yet, on our farm, there is nothing. As I got closer to the water, my radishes turned to peas and my peas turned to sunflower seeds. I curled in my toes. I couldn't avoid it. The water licked my feet. Cold, 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 I jumped back. The water kept coming. It was following me. It was trying to pull me in. I jumped back again and again. I tripped. I fell onto my back. Cold water, fast, rushing up my nose, on my fa face, drown drowning me. Help! I screamed. Someone pulled me up. In the confusion, I couldn't smell her. I didn't realise who she was until she spoke. Hey, Trev, it's all right. I've got you. Talia, I gasped, stumbling to my feet. I thought you weren't here today. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. What were you doing surfing on your back? I fell. I think I'll get out of the water now. It's a bit scarier than I thought. No way. You're coming in with me. No. I won't take no for an answer, Talia declared. I just want you to stand in the shallow area with me, okay? Talia didn't really wait for me to answer. She held my elbow and led me gently into the water. I stiffened when the water licked my toes again. It's all right, Talia reassured. Just let the water flow. Something great is going to happen soon. Just stay still and enjoy it. The water flowed past my ankles. Then the sea started pulling the water back into its arms. As the water was being pulled back, my feet sunk into the sand. Wow. Talia laughed. <laughs> You're just like me, Trevor. We find the smallest things so wonderful. My dad says that people like us are really special. Do you wish you could see the beach? I squished my toes further into the sand. I'd love to see the beach, but my eyes don't work. So there's no point wishing for something you can't, can never have. Suddenly I thought about my mother. Talia seemed to jump. I've got an idea. I'll describe it for you. Now, let me see. <sighs> the ocean. <laughs> the ocean is huge. It's bluey green and it's a bluey green colour. What's bluey green? I asked. You don't know the colours? Talia whispered. I can't really explain the colours. Green, green. Green as well. It's just green. Talia hit her head. There's got to be a way to describe the colours. Don't worry about it. I laughed. But doesn't it bother you that you'll never experience a rainbow? I shrugged my shoulders. 
Not really. Rainbows come after the rain and the rain is something that we don't get much of on the farm. I'm sure you'll see a rainbow one day, Talia whispered. I had to stop myself from crying. Talia sometimes sounds like a sad song. The kind of song that Sally sings when she's hoping for rain. Let me take you into the water, Talia suggested. I can't swim, I snapped. I'll drown. We'll only go in about three pumpkins, I promise. I won't let anything happen to you. And just think, you can tell Rick and Sally that you went swimming. They won't believe it. Without wasting any time, Talia led me in. Goosebumps. Cold. Help me. Slip, fall, drown, squeeze tight. <gasps> it's all right, Talia said. Feel the water on you. Isn't it nice? Stop, I shivered. One more pumpkin, just so that the water's up to our thighs. Water swirling, water everywhere. So much water. My tear fell into the sea and was swallowed immediately. Nice? Talia asked. Yeah. Good, now I'll take you out. Your lips are turning, turning purple, she giggled. It took ages to find my towel again. I lost all my parsnips. Talia helped me. We sat down, talked about the beach and played sand games. I laughed so much when I'm with Talia. Talia's father came to collect her when it was about two o'clock. What's wrong? Talia asked as she got up to go. You seem so sad. I just feel a bit unhappy, that's all. We were having such a great time and now you have to go. That's wonderful. Talia screamed while jumping up and down. What's so wonderful about it? Don't you see, Trevor? You've experienced your first colour. You're feeling blue.